How you doing, wrestling fans? Welcome to another edition of John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. We are the only wrestling podcast that brings you back 30 years with vintage audio featuring some of the biggest names of that time, covering all the news stories and breaking developments in the business of pro wrestling. Joining me, as always, Mr. Bob Smith. Uh, what can I say about Bob? Everybody knows who he is. Former managing editor of Pro Wrestling Illustrated and so many other landmark wrestling magazines back in the day. Bob, how you doing? Welcome to another edition of the show. I'm I'm fine, but I'm smarting right now. A Patreon member whipped my ass at bowling last night. I know uh, who that is. Stan Kaplan's team, who is a great Patreon member, which we appreciate. Yeah. His team took on my team, and they 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 oh they wiped the mat with us. Uh, I'm I'm smarting. Stan's well, a fine bowler, and he had a great night, and he beat my team. So what can I tell you? Well, anyone who's a patron, I don't really mind if they whip <laughs> your butt in bowling, Bob. <laughs> uh, Donnie Liable, the one-man <laughs> one wrestling encyclopedia, joins us with high energy today, direct from Florida. And he'll be covering the news capsule, which we now call the time capsule in just a bit. But Donnie joins us again. Donnie, how you doing? Let's go Mets, buddy. Yes. And I'm pumped. You know, we're going to talk, actually have some wrestling to talk about this week because of all the other delicious things that we had to get through. Uh, we you know, have WrestleMania to talk about. So right. kind of excited. We, yeah, we got a good one for you. And before we get into all of it, I want to plug our Patreon community. And thank you for your support over the last week since our last broadcast. Uh, really appreciated. So thank you again uh, for the new members that have joined us. And uh, for five bucks a month, man, it gets you over 150 shows of uh, the Pro Wrestling Spotlight from the college days right through uh, this episode. Uh, the podcast is released to you several days early, five bucks a month. We have levels for all budgets. If you want to increase uh, your contribution, the $10 or $25 a month, for each level you go up, you get more stuff. It could be uh, vintage wrestling magazines mailed to you. It could be special videos that people have not seen, 8-millimeter films, photo sets, uh, Zoom calls with the, uh, with the Patreon community. So go to patreon.com slash John Arezzi. So, Bob, why don't we get right down to it? It was a big week. It was WrestleMania week, uh, and uh, we're going to cover it all right here on today's show. Yes, we are. And I nicknamed this show The Writers because we have three gentlemen as guests who are probably still considered to this day the cream of wrestling journalists. We have Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Steve Beverly of the long-lamented uh, Matt Watch, and we also have Wade Keller from the Pro Wrestling Torch. And again, I think you were the only show in the country that could combine all these people on the same program round them all up for a good round table on uh, wrestlemania but yeah and it was always a pleasure for me to bring all of them on together because of how diverse they they were i mean they were all you know really uh reputable insiders and journalists to the business but getting them all together uh on uh, on the show uh it was kind of for me uh it was really cool to get their opinions on what was going on I think there were some of your best shows when you had the journalists on because, you know, you got to, you know, everybody would read their words, but nobody ever got to hear them or get to know them. No. And on your they show, didn't. they did have a chance to get to know them a little bit. Yeah, they did. And they all love coming on the show because they'd always get a, a boatload of new subscribers because people, <laughs> people were discovering them. 
Uh, and and that was uh, that was always something. The show, uh, you know, for all the advertisers and the sponsors or whatever, and uh, you know, even Dave. I mean, Dave came aboard when I was having those problems, uh, and and even sponsored the show for a bit, bought advertising on the show. So, but you know, he would get it back in, in spades with just the subscribers that probably are still subscribing to the newsletter to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was uh, it was a give and take, and and for me to be able to bring these uh, highly respected journalists on, uh, it was always a pleasure to do that. Well, let's get to the show open and see uh, how things were got to de- develop on this special show. How you doing, wrestling fans? It's John Arezzi. Welcome to another edition of the program. Pro Wrestling Spotlight right here on 1050 WEVD, New York's Greater 1050, serving the metropolitan area and several northeastern states. Well, WrestleMania has come and gone. An exciting show today from uh, the Hoosier Dome. And uh, what a surprise, Randy Macho Man Savage winning the WWF World's Heavyweight title from Nature Boy Ric Flair. And a surprise that no one expected. We have an exciting show lined up for you tonight. We're going to tell you everything that's been going on in the wrestling business, as we usually do each and every week here. Uh, we're joined in studio today by uh, one of our Booster Club members, Pete Theopal from Eatontown. Pete, why don't you say hello to everybody? Hello out there, wrestling fans. Pete is here, and we're here to discuss uh, an event that will take place next week at the Press Box Cafe in uh, Brooklyn. We're also going to be joined uh, on this program tonight by three wrestling experts, Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, as well as Wade Keller, the Pro Wrestling Torch. And later on in the program, Steve Beverly, formerly of Matt Watch, will be joining us to discuss some power struggles that are going on right now within the offices of World Championship Wrestling. Kip Fry, executive vice president, who is no longer executive vice president, as far as I know, is title-wise, but we'll be discussing all that with Steve. He's got all the inside information there. Uh, Kip Fry, we hardly knew you. I know. That was uh, short and sweet with Kip. That was a surprise. Uh, But, you know, internal politics have their way of uh, cutting people's throats (laughs) in various various ways. Yeah. and you did notice that I called the show Pro Wrestling Spotlight already. No, I was I was about to ask that question. You went right into it and with a smile in your voice said, this is Pro Wrestling Spotlight. What happened? Uh, well, you know, I think Vince was getting ready to start his own radio show that was going to be uh, called Vicious Vincent's World of Wrestling. And uh, I guess maybe he... Um, was like let him have the name you know i don't you know what's the, what's in a name you know that's his brand and that was kind of a nice thing he didn't take it uh to uh, a legal a situation and and uh that was kind of cool and it only took a few days and i didn't use it for one week and now we're back with the name pro wrestling spotlight pretty good pretty yeah good. and of course what everybody associates with the pro wrestling spotlight of course is uh Don Leibel. Hello, Don. Hey, how are you? Uh, go. Ready for another uh, time capsule, right. my friend? Another dip? Ready in for another look day. back? Yeah, yes. yes, I am. Uh, again, because WrestleMania is always special time because um, just building up to those big angles and somehow they always seem to swerve you. And uh, no matter how much we like to think we know what's going on or 
whatever. There's always something to let us know that mm, you don't. So that was interesting about the, the Hogan match and uh, uh, the, the Flair match. And um, so I look forward to hearing again. Let's go back in time, Bob. And All right. Time capsule. Here we go. Let's go to Donnie Live and we'll go right to the news capsule to talk about WrestleMania. Thank you, John, and good evening, everyone. Well, WrestleMania 8, it's history. Earlier today, the World Wrestling Federation presented its prize show of the year in Indianapolis as Indiana's Hoosier Dome. Now, two titles changed owners and the return of a familiar face in the past with the surprises surrounding the show. In the first of three championship matches, the Intercontinental belt was won from Roddy Piper by Bret Hart. Now, during this, the fourth contest on the lineup, Hart suffered a laceration above an eye, causing him to bleed throughout most of the contest. Ric Flair entered his co-main event of the evening with Randy Savage as the WWF heavyweight champ. But when the match was halted, it was Savage uh, winning the title. But uh, cameras did pick up Randy grabbing a handful of Flair's trunks. Now, Flair won the WWF crown on January 17th as the Royal Rumble survivor. And for the Macho Man, this is his second reign as the promotion's top heavyweight. He won the title for the first time at WrestleMania IV back in 1988. As for the tag team title belts, those expecting a hat trick to be scored, well, maybe next year. But as Jimmy Hart's Money Incorporated, Ted DiBiase, and Erwin R. Scheister, they kept their straps by literally walking away from their opposition on the show, that being Typhoon and Earthquake. With the official verdict, a countout against DiBiase and IRS, the belts just don't change owners. And in the other co-main event of the evening, what is expected to have been Hulk Hogan's swan song to the Federation for a while anyway, he won cleanly over Sid Justice. But at the conclusion of the match, Papa Shango entered into the ring, and in evening up the sides, the Ultimate Warrior, a drastically slimmed-down version of what he looked like, at last August SummerSlam, he came to Hogan's aid. One final note of interest on the show today, when LOD came out to be interviewed by Gene Oakland, Paul Ellering, the former longtime ringside manager of the duo, was introduced as being back with Animal and Hawk. For the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, I'm Don Libel reporting. Capsule time, 10-12. Interesting. Okay. interesting stuff there. What an interesting uh, way to cover WrestleMania. I mean, I was, uh, I was still to this day shocked at Savage re-won the title that night. I thought Flair would hold it for a lot longer. And and Hogan, uh, Hogan was was pinned cleanly. I mean, Hogan pinned Sid cleanly back then. Anyone remember? Sure, I'm, I'm sure they do. You know, I, I I gotta I gotta go back in history here. Ask both of you gentlemen, what are your memories of this particular WrestleMania in terms of how good or bad you thought it was, or because I have my own opinions, but uh, I'll start with you guys because it's like, uh, what do you remember about it, and what do you think of it? John, but you must have, oh, you must have been happy. Hey, you know, I'm burying the lead here. How cool was it to have a show on after the event? Oh, that was the beauty of uh, the early paper. Oh, yeah, that was, that's special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they started usually at four o'clock, I think, uh, mm -hmm. back then, and uh, they were over in three hours. It, it's not like it is now, where it's two days, two nights. <laughs> It's uh, it's WrestleMania week and WrestleMania weekend. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was always cool to be able to follow up uh, right after a, a show that uh, was widely watched and everyone had their opinions of it. And we had some uh, accurate predictions uh, this this time uh, with uh, Warrior coming back. And but I, I don't remember the Hogan uh, Sid finish 
Because I don't, I don't either. Yeah. So you know, said cleanly. So I guess he he won. But whatever it was, it was kind of cool to be able to rush right into Manhattan, get set up, and then uh, and then talk about the big show that took place just a few hours earlier. And, and you know, uh, thirty years later, that um, we're talking about here, and and I find it interesting to to see what people look like today. Some of these guys, the ones that are still with us. And when you uh, recently, I saw a, a photograph of uh, Sid Vicious, uh, Sid Justice, and the guy doesn't look like he's changed at all uh, mm-hmm. physically. Uh, I mean, he's a bi- he's big naturally. I mean, he had a shirt on and everything, but he physically looks the same as he did like thirty years ago. He looks a, li- a tad friendlier. <laughs> <laughs> he was not a very nice guy years ago, at least to me, anyway. I guess, uh, you know, making 20 bucks a night or 40 bucks a night for Jarrett, <laughs> that'll do it to yeah. you. But uh, yeah, yeah, I was I was looked at, you know, as the steroid guy, you know, like I would be cover, oh. uncovering all the steroid stuff. And, you know, I know the Steiners uh, didn't like me for sure. I mean, they just uh, never did. And Sid was always like I could never get, uh, you know, a good interview or promo with him and. That one famous promo, you know, you want to, you're listening to the pro wrestling spotlight with this big fat blah 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 John Arezzi, you know, and uh, but uh, that's the way it was back then for me. You know, John, well, just especially a, especially with the juice heads. A, a quick note on Sid again. I remember I was in Memphis in 1988. I was at the TV studios, uh, WMC Channel Five, and Sid was starting out around that time, and he was uh, working there. Uh, he had on a mask, but one of the one of the hockey type masks, like Lord Humongous or something. Yeah, that's anyway, right. When I saw him in the studio, the first thing I thought about was he's coming to New York because he was big then. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, you know, a few years later, he's you know main eventing and you know making big dollars and all. And I often wonder if they stop and reflect about times when like in Memphis, when, you know, you didn't get paid much at all. And the travel of course was long. Um, how it feels when you get that WrestleMania paycheck, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. All I know about Sid was uh, I used to get these tapes from the lady Emmy Yates in, in Atlanta who used to tape Joe Petticino's eight hour wrestling block. And I come into the office one day and I go to Stu Zacks. I said, I got the next star. I don't know if he was in Memphis at this point. He may have been in a little tiny federation in Georgia before that. But I said, this guy, Sid Vicious, is it. He had it. He had that it. He had it. He just had it. He had a certain charisma to him that was undeniable. He was a little green, obviously, in the very beginning. But I'll tell you what, nobody cared. No, Do you remember when he teamed in the skyscrapers? The reaction oh, I thought that was like Spivey? I was I was like seeing that tag team scene, Spivey with with uh, Sid. I was like, this is probably the most most impressive looking duo that I had seen in in a long, long time, perhaps ever at the time. I thought the skyscrapers were going to be like this. Uh, tag team that would never lose and it didn't last yeah. long but uh but you you, you just kind of had a good feeling about them when you seen them they were so over they didn't even have they to were. try from the no. first match no, they, they just came in and slammed the opponents and they were so over it, that's that's yeah. a gift from the gods when you're a wrestling promoter you know uh, absolutely so, 
So I, I'm happy to say I was right about him because Stu Sachs, I remember talking to the publisher and he was like, I don't see it. I said, give him some time. Yeah. Stu, he, Stu thought he was just too green, too stiff when I showed him the early tapes of him. I said, just wait it out, man. There's something mm-hmm. about this guy. Yeah. And, uh, and I, it didn't take a genius, to be honest, to figure out he was going to be a major star in wrestling. No, he, uh, he was a natural. At least charisma-wise and his look and all of that. You know, the work rate was never the best in the world, but uh, he was just overpowering, and he was he was uh, vicious. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. Um, so uh, do you guys have a recollection of whether you liked the card or didn't like the card from back then? To be honest I'll, I'll with you, 30 years ago um, – Typically, uh, I, 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 and I, I was going to rewatch WrestleMania just so I could have a fresh recollection, uh, and I didn't see it. I didn't rewatch it uh, like I intended to, so I don't remember much about it in real time Same here. today. Same here. Here's a little old memory for you guys. I'm sitting in Todd Gordon's kitchen in Pennsylvania. We're about to go and do an ECW early taping. Uh, for the first ECW shows on Channel 7 in Philadelphia. And wrestling is on. One of the, I don't know if it was Wrestling Spotlight or something, was on his kitchen television. And here comes Papa Shango. Yeah. And he, you know, his, his little torch is on fire. I think he lit somebody's feet on fire through magic. And I'm burying my head in my hands. And I'm going, what are they doing to my sport? What yeah. the hell are they doing? So when Shango showed up at that WrestleMania, I was like, I want to throw a brick through my TV. I, I just, I, I'm sorry when stuff is that blatantly ridiculous. I, I cringe because, again, good wrestling has always blurred those lines between fantasy and reality, good guy, bad guy, whatever you want to call it. And Papa Shango was blatantly bullshit. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, they were- there was a lot like that in that era. There was just a, it was, and it got worse as, uh, as it progressed. Yeah. yeah. It, it became well, a total farce. Well, Nails. Yeah. You remember when Nails debuted and he had that phony voice and stuff like yeah. that right around that same time period? And it got really violent. Remember him beating the living crap out of the big boss, man? Yes. I mean, it was like, that was one of the most violent remember that. That's yeah. one of the most violent matches I ever saw. It wasn't even a match. He just attacked them. Just attacked and, them, yeah. And uh, so I don't think that WWE knew what it was at that point. Are we the family entertainment? Are we, you know, what are we? What were they? Good question, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Don is um, moving around there like he's going wild. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm kneeling like I'm in church. And <laughs> it, uh, Don has got the altar going on. It's got to stretch a little. Folks, we're not young. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not young. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to say goodbye to Don until next week. Don, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. And uh, you have a great week, my friend. Hey, it's always great going down memory lane in wrestling, especially with all the big names that we, that we saw come through. It's always exciting. Yes, it is. And we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Take care. Donnie Liable, everybody. Uh, Bob, I tell you what, I mean, uh, WrestleMania 30 years ago, we got other stuff to cover tonight, uh, and the sex scandals still seem to keep popping up. They keep multiplying, yes. And uh, you had the right panel for such a thing because uh, Dave Meltzer is going to come on, and he's joined quickly by Wade Keller. 
two of the top journalists to this day. And there's lots of talk, including uh, the allegations at the time were, that were made by former WWF referee Rita Marie. So uh, why don't we just dive into this? Because there's a lot of meat on this segment, shall we? We shall. Let's do it. Here we, here we go. What do we got? This is Dave. Dave, how are you? Hey, I'm doing just great. How are you doing, John? Okay, we're waiting for Wade Keller to join us. Uh, we'll be joining us any second here. And boy, I tell you, first half of that show tonight was uh, was a phenomenal show. Eh, I, I thought, thought I thought uh, I thought Roddy Piper and Bret Hart and Flair and Savage were great, but yeah. uh, I mean the other three matches of the first half actually I would say all three were disappointing. Um, I was very disappointed with Santana and Michaels. Um, Jake and Undertaker was nothing, and the eight man tag was no better or nor no worse than than anyone would have figured it would be. But uh, those two. I mean, I mean, I thought there were two really good matches, but then when the show was over, there were still only two really good matches. Yeah. The second half of the show, just the bottom fell out of it uh, for sure. But, uh, you know, just the, the crescendo that was built uh, for Flair and Savage, uh, that was a total shock uh, to me. I, I thought... What, the title change? Yeah. Oh, you should have... I don't want to say this on the air, but you should have uh, asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a shock to me, I tell you that, but I enjoyed it. The only one I was watching with a group of people, I want to thank, first of all, uh, Jeff Butkantz, uh, Bootkantz, from Livingston, New Jersey. Jeff Buchan. Buchan. Hey, yeah, my Buch buddy Jeff Buchan. I was over his house, a beautiful house in Livingston, New Jersey, and we're sitting there with a, a host of people, including Michael Mansky from Worldwide Entertainment Marketing, Nikolai Volkov. Volkov was the only one in the room out of about 30 people uh, that said uh, that uh, Flair was going to drop the strap. I said, how do you know, Nikolai? He says, experience. Oh, these, guys, these guys should ask me questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we got Wade coming on also, and uh, should I punch him up on the this one right here? Okay. Uh, Wade, are you there? I sure am. Dave, can you hear Wade? No, of course I can't. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I can hear Dave. Dave, you're in a feisty mood tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess we got to book you back on with uh, with Vince. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll hang up. You just get Vince on the line. So, uh, uh, Wade, what do you think of the show? Um, I give it a slight thumbs down. I thought uh, the pacing was better than most WrestleManias. I thought Flair Savage was a good match, close to four stars. Same with Piper. Um, against Hart, which I thought might be slightly better on first viewing. Uh, but I just thought the main event was, was terrible. I, I just thought Hogan was, for, for a match of this magnitude, to not put forth any effort was pretty sad. I thought both of them, as far as that goes. Yeah, but I don't know. I think... I mean, they went, they went 10 minutes without, with uh, gripping, grip, gripping knuckles without even tensing. Yeah, I, I guess I don't put it past Sid, I, and, and I probably shouldn't have put it past Hogan, but I was surprised it was that bad. And really, for, for, for a guy who was threatening to have his last match, I just have this feeling um, I don't, that in two or three years or whenever it is when we see uh, Ric Flair supposed, perhaps, but not really last match, yeah. that he'll put forth a heck of a lot more effort. I, I think he will, yes. I think uh, there's no question about that. And I just thought overall bringing back the Ultimate Warrior um, and putting a big push on Luger and Justice shows exactly what the WWF thinks of how long the mainstream media is going to put steroid pressure on them and that they're not going to change their promoting ways. They're just going to continue lying as long as they can get away with it and continuing and continue to promote in the exact same way so I, I do want to say one thing though i thought this was the closest thing i'm not going to say steroid free because that's ridiculous but this was um as far as these guys i thought that there were more guys off steroids low on steroids or having abstained from steroids for a longer period of time than any pay-per-view show um I, I mean, think history pay-per-view i think you have to look though at who's on top and what is it telling the younger wrestlers um, in the independent federations that they need to do to make it. They need sport. to, well, yeah, I mean, it's the whole thing is what did these guys do to get on top? And then, of course, the other thing is, is um, 
how many of them are still reaping from the benefits of taking them for years also. Well, but well I mean, I'll mean, I mean, I mean, I, I tell you, you know, I was talking with somebody else this morning. We were talking about, you know, all these guys, of course, um, most of them, I think, being off steroids, you know, even Legion of Doom. But, I mean, when you talk about someone who's been on steroids, let's just say for, you know, whether it would be bodybuilders or wrestlers, that have been on for, say, 10 or 12 years, and now they're off for four weeks, do we really say they're steroid-free? Right. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. I, think, I mean, I think, uh, obviously, the WS going to have to have a, a longer track record um, than, than a couple months, and, and that's, the, the, that's the problem or the benefit they have is the media, mainstream media has shown that they're, at least many of them are willing to you know, drop the subject, and, and you know, it's a flavor of the month, and they move on. Uh, but you know, now it can be told added a whole new twist. Boy. Boy. Yeah, that is a situation we'll be getting into in just a little bit here after we uh, we talk a little bit further about the show tonight. Um, I tell you, the um, the match between Flair and Savage. Uh, Wade, you said you gave it close to four. Is yeah, that, I gave it four and a quarter. Yeah, I gave it I gave it over four. Uh, I really thought it had pretty much everything in it. Uh, the surprise ending, at least to, to me, it was a surprise. Um, and just uh, the way he planted well, one on Elizabeth, I thought that was like a star right there. Just John, to see our reaction. John, I, John, the reason that I gave it, uh, at, at least on first viewing, three and three-quarter stars, and I gave um, Hard against Piper a, that or four stars, was because I thought the match was really lost continuity. I liked the false finish in the middle where Savage's elbow, and, 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 and it looked like it was over, and the figure four. and every, It had everything, but I thought Henning interfered way too often. It was a, it was a Saturday night main event-style match where... They felt they had to keep fans tuned in by continually having a, 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 a secondary story. series of hot shots. Exactly, and that yeah. and that to me doesn't make a great match. I think that's why Hart Piper was better because it had a, a, a realistic buildup. It had a personal issue at stake, and they wrestled a match, and it ended, and it was over. There weren't the distractions. There weren't so many outside feet, things that added that added or took away from it. And that's why I think Piper against uh, Hart was actually a better match, yeah. it, despite the fact that it was about six minutes shorter. Yeah, the only thing, I thought Flair and Savage was outstanding. The only reason I wouldn't give it four and a half was because um, I felt that an awful lot of Savage's clotheslines were really mistimed, especially yeah. when he tried to do the left-handed stuff. I mean, you know, it, uh, it looked really bad in, 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 a lot of the, in a lot of spots, actually. And I, I just have a trouble giving over four stars when I compare it to Flair Steamboat, which, you know, their matches went between 23 and, and 30, They're, you know, the, 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 the bulk of them. And, you know, this was 18 minutes and five seconds. So that, even that extra five minutes, t I think, took away, considering there were so many distractions during the match. It, it really just wasn't, to me, uh, uh, anything above four stars. Mm -hmm. Well, if, if we're going to compare it, I mean, I was thinking about this after the show was over, and, I mean, it was a great WrestleMania, you know, main event-type match. Um, you know, I, I thought it was the best match on the show, but if I compare it to, you know, the many, 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 many matches we've seen of Flair over the years, I mean, it's... It's nothing special in that regard. I mean, I've, right. I've probably seen, you know, 50 or 100 a lot better. Do you think this was his best match in the World Wrestling Federation? Um, on the big shows, let me see. I think, um, I think Royal Rumble was better, and I think probably some of the Flair Piper matches um, were better that I didn't see based on reports, but I think of a singles match that I saw, this was better than um, Flair Hogan. Better than any of the Hogan matches, for yeah. sure. Yeah, this, oh, is best, sure. this is the best singles match that I've seen him in, yeah. Okay, uh, WrestleMania big uh, as far as the crowd uh, goes today. It certainly looked like a near capacity crowd. I don't know if they adjusted the cameras uh, not to show certain empty spots in the arena, but for the most part, the place looked uh, near capacity. And yeah, I was I was surprised, and I thought they did a really good job. And I was also proud of them for not 
saying it's a sold out crowd and people were turned away. I mean, they didn't refer to that once. They let the camera do the talking. Yeah. And, yeah they uh, never, they never tried to harp on it. The only mention of a crowd was Bruce Beefcake saying 70,000. And of course that's ridiculous. I don't, I have no idea what the actual number was, although, um, they're expecting, uh, they were, I, I don't know if it was scaled, you know, if the house was scaled down to 50, um, or, or exactly what there were, you know, there were thousands of empty seats, but, um, there were also, you know, tens and tens of thousands of people. Right. And, of course, uh, not only that, that the Monsoon wasn't harping on the fact that it was the biggest uh, pay-per-view audience in the history of pay-per-view either. Uh, I was so, surprised about that. I yeah. was really surprised because I felt that with all the publicity they've had, um, that the one thing they would try to do is overreach and say, see, this isn't hurting us, this is an all-time record. And um, at the same time, though, they got, a, they got a lot of pretty embarrassing press by doing that last year, so maybe you don't repeat your mistake. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really even hype hum- SummerSlam tonight like they usually start doing at WrestleMania. So <laughs> maybe there's a question mark in somebody's mind about SummerSlam. Um, getting to uh, the question marks that have been happening, we'll jump off WrestleMania now. Uh, I wish I had two hours to talk about it, but uh, we're going to move along quickly. Uh, this past Friday, some more uh, devastating uh, press, if you could call it that. Uh, investigative piece by Geraldo Rivera. Now it can be told... Uh, now, these allegations that have come forth now from two new individuals, referee, uh, and as well as a two referees, one female, one male, and the, um, they're both pretty serious stuff, especially from Rita, uh, Rita Marie, who was the WWF female referee, who uh, said that Vince McMahon, in her, in her opinion, she's alleging that uh, he forced her to have uh, sex with him, and that's... Uh, that's pretty heavy deal. That's heavy deal, yeah. I'm even afraid to talk about it on the air, you know. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, uh, what what are your opinions of uh, of that situation? Go, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if I want to have an opinion uh, yeah. for at least one more week, yeah, right? to be honest with you. I mean, um, it, you know, um, um, I think that uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that need to be investigated, and I think that um, right about now, I think that... Um, um, you know, there should be a lot of more, more people maybe looking into this than are. At the same time, um, there's a lot of questions about that also that uh, I think we need to look into before yeah. before uh, saying any more about that whole situation. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. Is, 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 one, it's unfair to to question Rita Chatterton and say, why did you wait six years? Well, I, I don't think they'll even do that because it's pretty obvious. You know, that's, that's pretty obvious, especially because um, um, she may have actually, um, in, a, in, a, in a non- um, in a non-media uh, way, um, and I'm not sure of this yet, actually um, expressed these things, and it was buried under the rug because back in 1986 you just didn't say anything about Vince McMahon, and nobody listened because it wasn't the atmosphere is so different now. Right. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I have heard that uh, that in fact, uh, you know, this is not like she just came out now. She actually did back then, but nobody was willing to listen because you know someone you didn't buck. But I'm not sure of that, and I, you know. But I, I don't think it actually has been six years, and this came out of nowhere because. As far as rumors of Rita Marie and why she was dismissed and all this, that's not a new story. I mean, it's a story that's... At, at the same time, it's unfair, too, to vindicate Vince McMahon based on one story, you know, by one report. Absolutely. Um, I mean, he had a full opportunity, uh, you know, according to what Alan can be told said, and, you know, it, it was pretty well, apparent. Well, you know they had a full opportunity. They, um, you know he had a full opportunity to respond, and, and I, you pretty much know that he was informed of what it was, and he chose not to, so whatever, that, whatever that's worth is what that is. Exactly. So I, I think that, well, you know, obviously I think I agree with what you said, is it's not a time for an opinion. It's time to encourage further investigation. Exactly. And, uh, and simply, you know, report what was said and now it can be told. And uh, and then talk about you know what might happen given certain you know certain things or certain corroboration in either direction against her for her story. 
Uh, but right now, I think it would be totally unfair to, to be presumptuous and, and make judgment on either Vince McMahon or Rita Chatterton at this point. I do think in, I do think in one week we'll have a heck of a lot clearer story on this one, though. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple people who, uh, who can be talked with, and there's a couple of stories out there, and you pretty much, you know, there's yeah. a lot of ways where you pretty much know where to look. Yep. Um, and at that point, um, I think we should have, you know, at least I, we won't know. We'll, I will probably never know what happened, but we'll at least be able to comment on it. John, I think it's safe to say this isn't going to be the last week you're talking about this issue on your radio show. <laughs> well, I'd like to just continue on here and have a radio show, first of all. So, yeah. Uh, well, so, they should be paying you for this type of program. Yeah, well, hopefully someday. Hopefully someday uh, that may turn around for me. Just another log on this scandal fire, John. They just keep coming and coming. Yeah, I mean, in a way for me, it was like you have to keep covering it because news continued to be broken. But I was getting really I was getting really tired of the of the ongoing allegations that would just derail any type of true wrestling talk for for our show. You know, we talked on our last show about some attendance figures for local New York area WWF and WCW cards, and they were really low at that point. I mean, house shows were doing very poorly. Do you think that the bad news had anything to do with that at that time? Absolutely. I mean, with all that negative press and all those allegations, and then you talk about uh, allegations regarding uh, underage kids. I mean, what parent would want their children to watch this or go to these shows live? I mean, it just uh, fell off a cliff. Attendance fell off a cliff and ratings fell off a cliff, too. And it had a spillover effect uh, to WCW, even though they were mismanaged and all the other stuff. Uh, uh, But still, it affected the whole industry. I just wonder also if it was a bad amalgam of all the bad news and a lot of overexposure. Because, you know, after 88 or so, there were a lot of wrestling shows on TV and including a lot of. A lot of shows, one on top of each other from the same federations, like uh, WCW had their syndicated show. WWE mm-hmm. had three syndicated shows. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, I just wonder if it was overkill. Oh, total. I mean, that's what uh, that's what's happened to the wrestling business since the uh, beginnings of television. Even though it was the hottest show uh, in in history at that time when television was in its infancy with Gorgeous George. I mean, uh, I researched some articles that, you know, it was overexposed and ratings go down when you when you are when you have the when you have something that's overexposed and on every single day, you're going to get tired of it. No matter what, you get tired of it. There's only so many hours in the day and so many entertainment hours that you devote to anything. And in this time period, especially after 84, 85 and that big explosion uh, and then the oversaturation took place. Yeah, it was a natural thing for it to go into uh, a, a tailspin, and then you put the scandals on top of it, and it hurts even more. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a fellow named Ken, and I'm sorry, Ken, I don't remember your last name, but he had taken over as our company president right before the sale of PWI. And I was talking to him about wrestling and the sales. You know, our sales were in a dumper. We kept putting out more and more product and we weren't selling anything. And I go, Ken, the one thing you got to remember is the one thing that I knew about wrestling for sure was that it's always been cyclical. It's like mm-hmm. a roller coaster ride. You'd be way on the top of the mountain and then you'd fall right down pretty soon after that. And then something new would happen and it goes up and it goes down. And, it goes, and I think history has proven, even in this era that we're talking about right now, that's exactly what was going on. They were riding a high that, and they just were going down that roller coaster to the very bottom. And, uh, 
but they they would reemerge with some new fresh ideas and some new fresh people and uh yeah the, after the trials of McMahon in 94 and then they mm -hmm. they start to focus a little bit more and and uh, the attitude era starts to kick in and and you know it just explodes again you get Mike Tyson involved and all of a sudden it's like hot as a pistol and yep. it happens it's it's a it's cyclical as you said and in today's era i mean with AEW uh, doing good numbers. I mean, for today's day and age, with over a million viewers on their on their shows and their attendance. I mean, they just um, they're going to be going to Los Angeles, uh, and they already have a gate that's a million three advance, which is unheard of. It's uh, I believe it's the only it's the second it's the second million dollar gate in advance uh uh i'm not gonna say in wrestling history but it's it's up there and right. it's uh, it's a tv right. taping for aew and then you talk you know now ring of honor has been acquired by tony khan and right. i was at the nwa show recently uh, and i think billy corrigan what he's doing with the nwa if he could bring that back if he can get some national tv exposure these are alternatives and everyone can find their little niche as far as what they like to watch but if i could put my two cents in Yes, the NWA. I love it to death. It's the only thing that's still got the old school flavor, and I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, I'm rooting for Blake Corgan with with, with everything I got because you know what? It's the only weekly wrestling program. Even though I watch it on YouTube and Fight TV, it's the only program that I don't want to throw a brick through my TV. Did I you? Uh, did you see? Do you see the last pay per view? Did you see the? No, I, I didn't have the opportunity to see. I'm going to see it. Uh, I have it. Uh, in my queue, I just haven't had the time to look at it yet. Well, but I, I heard there. about the results of it. Oh, you were yeah. literally there. Yeah, I went. Yeah. Tell me more, please. Oh, it was great. I mean, you know, it was a small little venue at the fairgrounds and, uh, you know, only 500 people or so. Uh, uh, Medusa uh, had invited me and uh, I, I went out and, and uh, I had a great time. Uh, said hello and met Billy Corrigan for the first time. And that was kind of cool. And, uh, but the main event uh, with Jeff Jarrett as the referee uh, was just spectacular uh, with um, uh, with Nick Aldis trying to get the NWA title uh, from uh, Matt Cardona. Mm -hmm. What a great heel he is. I mean, and he's a Long Island guy and yes, it was he a is. fabulous match. And they had run ins and they had like a, you know, a finish that wasn't really a, you know, it was a DQ finish, but it but it captured you. And the way it was booked and presented. And then the Briscoe brothers winning the Crockett Cup. Mm -hmm. What a team. Live, incredible, charismatic, and incre just incredible. It was, it, they, it, was, it was an incredible night. And, and, and for they, a very small, small venue in a small. But it, was, it felt like I was back in the 70s watching wrestling. Yes, that's the thing. And, you know, the Briscoes have been doing that forever. Yes. You know, they're, they're not, you know, this is not their first time around the woodpile. They have been doing no. that for what, 15, 18 years now? Yeah, they've been around for a long time. And I got to tell you, Nick Aldis is the very embodiment of what a wrestling champion should look like, act like. The yeah. whole, he's, he's the progeny to Buddy Rogers. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's the come, you know, he, he knows the tradition and he, he lives that tradition. And I, I think the world of Nick Aldis, I, I think he's one of the best wrestlers out there that nobody talks about. Yeah, he's fantastic. He, uh, he he's, he's certainly a, a champion in a lot of ways, and uh, I mean, he's very he's very focused and he's very passionate, and he's got everything it takes to be a successful 
up a tier pro wrestling performer. And Matt is incredible as a heel. Incredible. So it was a, it was a good night out. And, uh, and I want to thank everyone who came up to me and I'm like, you know, Hey, you John Arezzi, you John Arezzi. Yeah. Yeah. So I took some pictures with folks and it was just fun to be there and seeing Jeff Jarrett and saying hello to him. And Mickey James was there and Medusa, of yeah. course, who invited me, who was one of the producers of the matches, which, which was great. Uh, so she's behind the scenes there. And it was, uh, it was, you know, it was cool. It was cool. I didn't, uh, and I got a chance to hang out with one of the top, Young heels and and Triple A probably one of the uh, you know the, the the one of the top Rudo uh, performers in Triple A uh, or Gringos I mean one of the uh, uh, American mm. heels and that uh, and that was Sam Adonis who's a wonderful student of the game historian we had breakfast uh, and we uh, hung out and talked about wrestling history and this guy knows everything from the territories on up and he's still a young man so. It was overall, it was a, it was a, it was a great experience for me to be in that environment. You know, you got to hand it to Billy Corgan or William Patrick Corgan. Yeah. He 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 yeah. has absolutely got. He has the touch. He knows what he's doing. You know, yeah. you would think what Smashing Public. No, he was involved with Impact, and um, right. You know, it, it's a situation where he he's learned the craft as he's going along, and the whole thing is believable. Soup to nuts, and it I, is. I love it. I love it. It's old school I, you know in a lot of ways. I may make a couple of phone calls because I'd love to get, I'd love to talk to Billy Corgan on, on this show. I, I think yeah. he's one of the few people that's even looking in terms of tradition, in terms of presenting his product. Yes, and, uh, he's he is a student of history and he respects the history of the business. And uh, the one thing he does need, though, like you know, you can't uh, you can't sell out a five thousand seat venue if you don't have national TV. It's he's got to get national TV somewhere. Yes, it's true. That'll grow that. That'll grow that brand and, and make it emerge again. And uh, but hey, you know it's uh, something for everyone. You have that alternative, and you could find the NWA on YouTube and the other platforms like Fight TV and you know, AEW's out there, and the WWE obviously is you know the big enchilada still. And and that's what we're covering tonight here on this podcast as we digress a little bit. Uh, going right, right. back to the future into the present. <laughs> yep. Man, it was refreshing. I enjoyed that. So anyway, uh, yeah. we'll go back to our, uh, our clips here. Uh, we have a short one this time. It's more news with the three of you guys. And uh, you're going to talk about some returnees that are coming back to the world wrestling federation. We're going to get back on with Dave and Wade guys. You're there. Sure. Am. Yep. And uh, WWF, lots of stuff happening. And uh, Paul Ellering, a big surprise to see him tonight. I didn't expect to see him back, although I don't know that it's a major uh, news story. I don't, I, I don't, I didn't see it as, as anything all that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. I, um, I was surprised. To, I was surprised to see him, and um, I don't know. Maybe that was a part of the deal to get them to come back. Um, you know, as, as, as everyone knows, I think they were teetering. Well, at least Hawk was teetering on the edge, and I think uh, to wanting to leave, go to Japan, go to somewhere else. Right. Um, and maybe uh, you know that was one of the things that they you know that uh, was given in that, well, you can have your uh, manager back um, if you come back and in response, you know, in exchange for them giving in on some of the things that they probably really didn't want to give up, give in on and that uh, they, you know. Well, I thought he handled himself real well. It was a good interview. It was yeah, a very I, powerful interview tonight. I like his kind of, uh, was it George Carlin, the style interviews almost? Uh, um, I, I, I like the, the, I've always liked his interviews, although I like the look he had now. Um, compared to his, his somewhat weekly changing look that he had in WCW, um, I thought he, he had some 
kind of uh, gave credibility to the team, gave them a little more direction or something. I don't know. I, but I, I like that he's back, but I don't think it's a real big deal. Okay, so overall tonight, uh, Wade, a slight thumbs down from you for the big card. Yeah. Uh, Dave, a, thumbs uh, in the middle. Thumbs in the middle. Yeah. Okay, and uh, I'm going to give it a thumbs up myself because I, um, especially for that first half of the show, and um, I really did enjoy that one. Well, there you go. You you like the show? Now we know. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, probably was, more than the other two guys did. I think. Yes, I wasn't as jaded. I had other, <laughs> things, had other things on my mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. You know, it's probably a nice break from what you've been going through the previous week that our listeners here oh, yeah. know all about. So, oh, uh, yes, indeed. There you go. So uh, now here's something, and we'll talk about this before I hit this next clip. Um, a bugaboo on all call-in shows on AM radio in that era was phone problems. You hmm. know, squeaking, noisy, they're not there, the wrong person picks up. On this particular show, you had a few phone problems. Did that ever get your goat? Were you ever a little bit angry that the always you know, the come right on? Always, yeah. I hated technical difficulties, and I lived with it over the years. Especially NYG was horrible. I mean, GBB, the phone system there, until they really corrected it, was horrible. And even this big station with this powerful signal and the money that was being paid to be on there. Uh, you would expect uh, things to go seamlessly and smoothly, but that was not the case. You know, so it, I, it was better. It was better than most, but it still happened occasionally. Yeah, and it happened on this occasion. So we we're not going to we're not going to subject our listeners to a bunch of squealing and noise. No, but, patrons could hear that. No, we'll we'll let you patrons hear that. Hey, <laughs> remember, for just five dollars a month, you can get you can hear the squealing. You yeah. can hear all the static and noise you you could ever want. But anyway, um, you know. So the callers couldn't call in at this point. I, I have jotted down. Uh, they was mm-hmm. the phones were so messed up that you couldn't get call-ins. But um, they, they they finally got it worked out, and Dave finally was able to take some calls along with you. So let's uh, let's go to that right now. Uh, let's take another call here while we're waiting. Is Dave there now? He's back. Dave, are you there? I'm here. Okay, we're going to start taking some calls here for a few minutes. Can you hang out with us a little bit? Absolutely. Okay, let's go to the next caller. Hi, you're next. Hello, John. Yes. This is Dave. Uh, my question is, is the Ultimate Warrior back in the WWF definitely? D- did you see him on TV tonight, Dave? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, well, he's there. Next caller. Yeah, hi, John. Yes. This is Adam from Fresh Meadows. Hey, how you doing? Hi, I have two questions for you. First, about the Ultimate Warrior. Is there two Ultimate Warriors? No. Because I heard, like, there are two people playing him? No. No, there's no? not. No. Okay. And the second one is about Ron Simmons? Yes. What is in the future for Simmons? Because last night on WCW Saturday Night, he said that Sting and Rude should watch out for him, that he's coming. Which one of him, Which one is he going to challenge first? I'm sure it'll be Rude. I'm sure it'll be Rude. Thanks for your call. Let's go to the next caller. Hello? Yes. This You're... is Adam from White Plains. Yes, Adam. What can we do for you? I have a question. Like, sorry about you and Vince Russo. It couldn't work out. Yeah, well, that's life. Okay. And my source tells me about the ultimate warrior that this is going to happen, like, from global wrestling, it's not really the real warrior. It is the real warrior. Well, I can't um, believe that, these calls are coming in. That is definitely the real ultimate warrior. The number to call here is 212-477-5610. If you're listening to the show, we told you once, that's the real ultimate warrior. There's only one of them. So don't call in and ask that question, okay? I tell you. You're next. Hello? Yes. Yes, uh, John, I enjoy your show. Thank you. And uh, Dave Meltzer, I've, I've uh, heard you before, and I enjoy you also. 
Um, I want to know, I saw in the paper that three WCW wrestlers are coming to the World Wrestling Federation, and who are they? Um, I don't know anyone in WCW uh, going to the World Wrestling Federation right now. Well, Luger, but he's not going to be wrestling for them for a while. The other two, I don't know who they are. But that was a report, I guess, in the Slammers column on Friday, right? Yes. Okay, have you heard any other major names that are coming here? Well, starting up in the WWF, uh, Samoan SWAT team was on their last TV, as well as a team called the Maulers, which uh, were Jacko Victory and... Um, and uh, what's his name? Rip Morgan. Rip Morgan, right. Yeah. And as well as the Patriot from Global, uh, they have all debuted on, uh, or appeared on the TV tapings, and I guess we'll be seeing them on uh, WWF TV shortly. Thanks for your call. Let's go to our next call. Hello. Yes. John. Yes. This is Tom from Maplewood. How you doing? Pretty good. I enjoy your show. I'm a new listener, but I say you're a great guy. Thank you very much. I got a question about Luger. Yeah, um, go ahead. Do you, what kind of effect will this have on WCW? I don't think it'll have any effect on him. Really? Because, I mean, like, in. all his great names from w, from the WCW are going to WWF. I'll tell you, um, I, I don't think Luger, um, Luger will have a, a major effect in and of himself, but I do think it means something when you see Ric Flair, Sid Justice, um, Legion of Doom, and Luger all on the WWF television show. I think it does have an effect on, on WCW fans. Um, but Luger all by himself, I think, has no effect whatsoever. I think he was right about that. And has there ever been more loony theories about a professional wrestler than the ultimate warrior? I used to get so upset with the endless amount of calls for ultimate warrior from, yeah. is he coming back? Is he coming back? And then when he comes back, is there two ultimate warriors? It was crazy. Yeah. It but used to make, no, used to make no. me go nuts. No, but the first kid called, right? The first kid calls, and you mm -hmm. said, no, Meltzer's going, no, right. no, no. And then somebody else calls. Right, right. And just picks up the ball. I, I don't understand. I don't get it. Irritating. It was like uh, Paul is dead from the 60s. <laughs> it's Ultimate Warrior, two people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was annoying. the era of conspiracy theories, but my God. You know, yeah. <laughs> this was the 90s when that stuff wasn't as common, but uh, I digress. Um but you know who we haven't heard from yet? And one of the great names, one of the great voices, one of the great people in the wrestling journalism was Steve Beverly. Yeah, great guy. Absolutely great. He did quality work, and he left this far too soon in, in terms of his newsletter. Yeah, he um, did. He was He's... already over by this point, I think. Yeah, it was. He, he just had the annual he was putting out, and that was it for him. And uh, But I uh, was happy to still call him and invite him on the show and – he graciously agreed to appear, and uh, this might have been one of his last appearances on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Might have been. And, you know, he even with my scant dealings when he was always a breath of fresh air and just a terrific oh, yeah. guy. And uh, let's hear a his pro. voice because it's – you know what? Steve Beverly always brings a smile to my face, so let's, uh, let's see if that works for our listeners as well. Here's Steve Beverly. Hello, Steve Beverly. I now hear you, John. Okay, great. We're having some problems with the phones here for the last couple of weeks, and uh, uh, hopefully with all the revenue the show is uh, going to bring in with all Booster Club membership, maybe we can get a new system in here. Let's hope phones. so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve, how are you, first of all? I'm doing well, thank you. See the WrestleMania show? 
I listened to it, but I would not give that organization $35 of my money to buy it. Uh-huh. So you were one of the folks who boycotted this, the uh, WrestleMania this I'm year. afraid so. I, I think until the moral fiber, and if they want to sue me, let them go ahead. But if the moral fiber of that organization cannot clean itself up, there are too many good charities in this world that deserve my $35 more so than the World Wrestling Federation. I know the Pro Wrestling Spotlight Booster Club certainly does. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I wanted to talk to you and bring you on here because there's a lot of stuff that's going on, and you're close to uh, several people in the World Championship Wrestling offices. Now, uh, from what we understand, what's been going down here the last few weeks, uh, uh, there is a new president of World Championship Wrestling. Jack Petrick has uh, left to uh, head up the all-cartoon network uh, owned by Ted Turner. And we have a man by the name of Bill Shaw, I believe it is. That's correct. He's the new president of World Championship Wrestling. Now, he comes from a background as a former personnel director, I believe, for WC, uh, for, right. for Ted Turner. He's been vice president of personnel for all of Turner Broadcasting. Okay, now he appointed somebody else. Now, this is kind of confusing to me and I'm, uh, to try to explain it to the fans out there. Now, there is a new executive vice president, a man by the name of Bob Dew. Well, I found, I found out, uh, John, his title is going to be corporate vice president. Of course, anytime you work in a big corporation, titles sometimes are deceiving and meaningless. Okay. But in short, as corporate vice president, he will be a layer of, of bureaucracy between Kip Fry as executive vice president and Bill Shaw. So Fry will report directly to Bob Dew, who has been the head of Atlanta Coliseum Incorporated, uh, which is the managing company for the Omni Arena. He will retain that job as well. Okay. He will retain the job with the Omni, as well as be corporate vi vice president now of World Championship Wrestling. Where does this leave Mr. Fry, K. Allen Fry? Well, I think a lot of us are still really confused about that, John. And I think that, of course, he's been on your program. And, and I think from what I've been told over the weekend, he's going to continue to be in place in his role. But this cannot be extremely good news for him, largely because he was appointed to that job by Jack Petrick. Mm -hmm. And second off, to have two layers of management to have to report to, it's they're sending very, very mixed signals. I've talked with some people who are on the inside of the organization and on the periphery, but who have very vested interests in WCW, whose names will remain uh, nameless tonight. But... It would not surprise me. I, I don't know how much the average person is prospect of bringing Jim Crockett, who was just sent home by Kip Fry, of bringing Jim Crockett back into the organization. If that were to happen, it would be interesting to see how things would develop with Kip Fry, since he's the one who basically banished Crockett from the office. Okay, so that could be a situation which uh, could create a lot of tension in that office and uh, could be a real big pow power struggle there. Now, Dusty Rhodes uh, currently is Booker in WCW. We've been hearing a lot of reports. Eddie Gilbert's name is being banted around uh, not only for this company but for a company up here in Connecticut. What have you heard about that? Well, Eddie's got a meeting, at least unless it's postponed. Eddie has a meeting scheduled tentatively for Wednesday of this week with Vince McMahon to talk about the job that Pat Patterson held. Uh, he did have a conversation with Kip Fry on Monday about the creative direction <coughs> Pardon me, uh, that WCW is going in, and Eddie, of course, sees some areas that he would change and do differently. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think if Eddie had his druthers, if the opportunity presented itself, of course, Eddie's been a guest on this program many times. If Eddie had his druthers, he'd rather stay in Atlanta, stay in the South, where he's more comfortable. And I think he would uh, he would love to get his hands on WCW. And there are a lot of fans who would like to see him get his hands on WCW that just really aren't sure at the direction Dusty's going to be taking things. I've, I frankly can tell you that the World Heavyweight Champion Sting would be very happy to see Eddie Gilbert uh, to get his hands on that group. But Kip Fry appears to be putting his faith in Dusty Rhodes at this point. And if Eddie were to come in, it would only be at this point as a number three talent coordinator. And Vince McMahon apparently is trying to talk him into the the whole marbles. The thing that worries me about a move to Connecticut for Eddie, and I, this is my own personal opinion, I haven't even expressed this to Eddie myself. I think that whereas it could be a tremendous opportunity for him at any other time, this is probably the worst of all possible times to be going into that organization. And I'm not certain that Eddie can walk in there and trust that what they tell him today is going to be what happens in six months. Uh, I, I just feel that, and, and I, I, the man is a very close personal friend of mine, and I wish him the best in whatever he does. And if he decides to come in and be the talent coordinator for WWF, I wish him well. But I, I per, as a personal friend, I would hate to see him get involved in that organization with as much turmoil and as much negative publicity as there is and is to come regarding that organization. And I, I just I hope it doesn't happen, but if it's a matter of uh, Eddie's not making an extraordinary amount of money with Global, although he's enjoying the job very much as its booker. It would be, as far as prestige nationally concerned, a tremendous opportunity for Eddie. But I'm not so sure that if it were me, I'd want to go to work for Vince McMahon at all right now. Yeah, it's a very shaky time in uh, WWF, as everybody knows, with all the stuff that's been going on there. And uh, in WCW, with all the shakeups in upper management, uh, very interesting time for both groups. It's going to be an interesting spring and summer for sure. Steve, i got a question for you. Um, one of the fans had called in, and maybe you would know this, uh, who is the current holder of the six-man tag team titles? That's been abolished. Okay, that's gone. The titles it, are gone now. Yeah, they they really, in fact, that decision was made before Jim Hurd left that, uh, of course, this was a title Rhodes created back in 1985, and he thought it was an opportunity to give some more people some belts, although usually those belts wound up around him in one form or fashion. But mm -hmm. I, I, I think that he was finally prevailed upon that, particularly since they were going with a light heavyweight champion, that there were just simply too many belts, and there still are. There's still too many belts in WCW even now. But that the six-man title was one that just simply was meaningless. It put belts on three more people, and it was it was not even a secondary belt. It was, it was a supporting to the supporting to the supporting belt. And it was time to abolish it. it. It meant about as much as the Western States Heritage Championship used to. Yeah. Hey, Larry Zabisco was a Western States Heritage Champion. He was. So was Barry Windham. Yep. Hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> hey, what a great segment that was uh, to... What a, found of, what a found of information Steve always was. I'm telling oh, yeah. you. From still having the inside contacts at WCW to... His uh, always great analysis of what was going on, his predictions, his personal thoughts and viewpoints on the business. Uh, just a pleasure to have on every time he joined us at Pro Wrestling Spotlight. 
A great listen. Absolutely great listen. You know what? He should have had his own show somewhere. He would have been good on the yeah. radio, I think. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. But uh, he was a news director, uh, you know, stayed in the media business for a long time, still uh, is active in the things that he does. He really loves to analyze classic TV. He's on Twitter. You could find him there. And, uh, he is? Oh, oh yeah. It's absolutely. Yeah, he's still there and he responds. You know, I. I have, and he did a uh, a video show, uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight Live, with us, and it would be kind of cool to bring him on here to have a nice uh, little conversation with him, wouldn't it? I think that would be awesome. Oh, yeah, if you can make I, that happen, no, let's my make it happen. Up. Yeah, you fans can't see, but my thumb is up in the air. Yes, it is with <laughs> with your Mets cap. Yeah, that's right. I Tis the time of year, my friend. Tis the yes, time of year. And uh, yeah, I mean, opening day is going to be next week. Uh, so, um, and, and we have an exciting show next week too. I mean, it's not exactly opening day for us. We've been here for a while, but we'll be covering that live remote with Johnny B. Bad at the Press Box Cafe. And uh, that's a pretty exciting night. And uh, it kind of turns into a, a bit of a fundraiser for what we were going through at the time. So that's something for everybody to take a look at, uh, to wait for next week. It'll be another exciting program here as we relive 30 years ago, what happened on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight back then. Bob, as always, always a pleasure to have you here. Um, uh, another great show tonight, and uh, the run that we've had so far has been really, uh, really, really a good ride so far, and we have a lot more to come. And we're just getting started. You said it. Yes, we are. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, my name is John Arezzi. You could join our private group at Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast and radio show. We have a public page on Facebook, which is uh, John Arezzi's Matt Memories. There's a private group there as well. We do have a YouTube channel, which we'd love you to subscribe to. It's youtube.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And you can follow me at Twitter on Twitter at John Arezzi, Instagram at John Arezzi as well. And I make sure to share lots of vintage photographs that I shot over the years uh, on both of those platforms. If you'd like a signed and numbered copy of my book, Matt Memories, we still have some copies available for you. Just send me an email, John at mattmemories.com. Don't forget to check out the sister podcast, Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, covering all the shows I covered at the Mecca of all arenas, the garden 50 years ago to the day those shows take place. Those when uh, that's when they're released. And don't forget to check out Patreon, patreon.com slash John Arezzi, five bucks a month. Gets you in the door. John Arezzi's pro wrestling spotlight podcast is a production of Matt memories, LLC. Our co-host is Bob Smith. Our producer and editor is Alex Robertson. Donnie Libel covers the news capsule each and every week. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight uh, executive producers from Patreon, Jeremy Priest and Matt Walsh. Thank you to them and to all the patrons for your support for the production of this show. Until next week, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.